0: We've been talking about the, um, we started just before the holiday, talking about uh, this passage in uh, 1 Timothy. So I just want to refresh our memory on it because it was a few weeks ago. In 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 6, he's talking to them, he's, well, Paul is talking to Timothy about not being, uh, not being uh, distracted, really. And he's talking here about uh, money. But really, you know, you could say, don't be distracted. Whatever, you know, we could make an application for whatever it might be. So then he says in verse uh, 11, but flee from these things, you man of God, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. And then he says, fight the good fight, take hold of eternal life. And And uh, I was teaching this in a Bible study, and uh, really, uh, it struck me that these imperatives—you know, these action uh, words—pursue, fight the good fight, take hold of eternal life—and that there's a real need to be proactive, you know, in our walk with the Lord, and not just to sit back and say, "Okay, Lord, I just pray that all this happens to me, and and uh, I'm just going to wait, and then." Uh, then I'll I'll have it. I'll be all all that, uh, all these things. But it says pursue. You know, run after these things. That's an action word. Got to work at it. And I know that uh, it goes against sometimes our sensibilities as a believer when we hear, it. like, work at it. Got to work at it. Now, wait a minute. I'm saved by the blood of the Lamb. Yes, you are. Okay? But... Uh, you know, when the Israelites put the blood on the door, it says, it says they had to have their loins girded, their staff in their hand, and they had to be ready to go. It wasn't just, oh, now sit at the table and, you, and close your eyes and you will just be transported over to the wilderness, or even, or even more so, transported to the promised land, right? No, that's not what happened. No, they had to leave in a hurry, right? They had to leave in a hurry, they had to like do something. Right. Uh, And then they're running and then they come to the Red Sea and then it's like, oh, all is lost. Thanks a lot, Moses. Right. And so uh, 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 God parts the waters. Uh, It's uh, on dry ground. They don't even get stuck in mud. Right. Uh, And they get to the other side. And you think now we're on the other side. Now we are on easy street. Right? No. Now it's going to be wilderness. It's going to be uh, eating this boring food day after day after day, and they complained because it was boring because it was not. It was hard, uh, you know, and they had to keep moving forward. What you mean that when God redeemed them, He didn't just uh, put them to sleep, right? And then they wake up in the promised land? No, no. Uh, They had to follow the Lord. They had to be diligent uh, in their walk uh, with the Lord. And so that made me think of one of the qualities, I got things everywhere here, let's see, uh, that we've been talking about different uh, qualities, things to pursue. And I said when we started this little series that, you know, I could have just said, well, we'll talk about godliness one week. We'll talk about righteousness another week. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk about uh, uh, love another week, faith another week. Uh, but, you know, sometimes, as I said then, we get, I think, sometimes a little frustrated because uh, what do we really, what does that look like? What do we do? You know, we're physical people, we're, we're physical human beings, what do we do to be that? You know, and I think that sometimes, uh, as Messiah followers, we get a little frustrated, uh, and even bored, perhaps, uh, of just sort of like uh, hearing, well, if you pray, you read your Bible, uh, you share the good news, and you show up, uh, you're in good shape, you, you know? Uh, And then we kind of just wait, well, when is this uh, patience coming my way? Uh, When is this love uh, uh, coming my way? Well, you know, the text says pursue these things. And uh, what I am suggesting is that there are a number of values and virtues that we can really go after that are what righteousness is made of and what love is made of, you know, Things we can really uh, do and practice in our lives. And uh, I likened it to this, um, there's a Jewish practice called Musar. And uh, Musar is the practice of uh, cultivating godly traits, godly character traits. And there are ways, you know, of going about them. And uh, it's sort of uh, kind of like a Jewish version of uh, developing spiritual disciplines uh, in in a way, except it's more about here's where you want to end up uh, and uh, how do you practice, you know, getting there? Uh, Not just getting there. How do you practice being uh, a kind person? How do you practice uh, being a loving person? How do you practice you know, being a truthful person. So we've talked about generosity. We've talked about being truthful, being a true person, sincere and true. Remember, the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. We talked about that last Shabbat. Uh, we talked about humility uh, and how we get there. So here I thought today, I, uh, there's something else uh, to talk about. It's more of an attitude I uh, it is uh, it's something you do I feel like I'm playing charades it's something you do I uh, it's an attitude I uh, and kind of like humility it's not something that I uh, okay there's the you know generosity you could say well where's the bottom line you know you, you can uh, mathematically figure that out a little bit I suppose I uh, but Uh, Humility is an attitude and a way of life. Well, here is another one. We're going to turn to several different passages. Let's turn in the uh, New Covenant to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. All right. I always hate to start in the middle of a sentence. So we're going to read verses 10 and 11, but it's verse 11 that we're really interested in. It says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, give preference to one another in honor. And then it says, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Okay, so it says here, uh, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in in spirit, serving uh, the Lord. In 2 Peter, that's one place, in 2 Peter chapter 1, we're going to see what all this has in common in a minute. In 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning in, uh, no, 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 5. 2 Peter 1, beginning in verse 5. Now, for this very reason of also applying all diligence in your faith, Supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Yeshua uh, HaMashiach. For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about uh, his uh, calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, uh, you, will, uh, you, will never, uh, you will never stumble." Okay. Uh, then in uh, Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 6, in verse 7, in Ephesians 6, 7, it says, with goodwill render service as to the Lord and not to men, with goodwill. So it's very interesting that when you look this up uh, in other uh, a number of other uh, different translations, goodwill... Here, with goodwill, uh, render service as to the Lord and not to men. Serve with a good attitude as to the Lord, not to men. Uh, Obey with enthusiasm as those serving the Lord and not people. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people. Work willingly for the sake of the Lord, not for the sake of human beings. Render service with enthusiasm as to the Lord and not uh, to uh, men and women. So you know, it's uh, it's kind of interesting uh, that uh, I was surprised where I saw this this great word, this great word, render service with enthusiasm. That is a great word, and it's interesting. Uh, several different translations use it in a couple of different in a, in a couple of different uh, 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 places in uh, Second Corinthians. Let's see, yeah. In 2 Corinthians uh, 9.2, okay, 2 Corinthians 9.2, okay, you have uh, here, but I know your readiness of which I boast about you to the Macedonians, we can just stop there, right, for I know your readiness, okay, I know your readiness, I know your eagerness, I know your, the forwardness of your mind. I know they eat your eagerness to help. I am aware of your enthusiasm. I am aware of your eagerness. And uh, without taking the time, this uh, word enthusiasm is used in several different places. So you end up having like this group of words in the New Covenant that really are, uh, uh, in Greek, it's a number of different words. It's a number of different words. Uh, And it's, uh, it's fascinating. You have uh, these uh, these words: uh, fervent, diligent, fervent, diligent, zealous, wholehearted, eager. Uh, and one that I uh, and one that I didn't mention is zealous. Uh, another one, uh, zealous. A great passage there is in Titus, Titus two fourteen. Okay, Titus two fourteen. There we go. It says here in verse uh, 13, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Messiah Yeshua, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. Fervent in spirit, zealous, I, uh, diligent, I, all of these words I think, add up to that great word, enthusiasm. Enthusiasm. Now, we don't usually think of that word. Usually, whenever we talk about virtues or character traits or attitudes, we have to find a verse uh, in our favorite translation uh, you know, that, that says it. And it says that it's something that we're, we should pursue. But when you add it all up, if we're going to pursue godliness if we're going to pursue righteousness, we need to be doing so with an attitude of, yes, this is really a great thing. You know, Uh, serve the Lord with a fervent spirit. Now, that doesn't mean, uh, you know, uh, if you're a quiet person, uh, it doesn't mean now I I become, you know, a uh, a loud person. Uh, It doesn't mean uh, if I'm not a really heavily emotional type of person. It doesn't mean that now I have to like manufacture some kind of, uh, of emotion, but it means that within us, uh, we are uh, moving forward, we are diligent, we are uh, focused uh, on uh, being men and women uh, who are uh, godly, righteous, loving—you know all of those, uh, all of those things. Uh, and uh, uh, you know when you read in Second uh, Peter chapter one, applying all diligence to your faith. You know the word diligence—it's it, used, it's translated a lot of different ways uh, in Greek, but like moving, moving quickly toward a goal. Moving quickly toward a goal, like you're focused on it, like you prioritized it, like it really means something other than jumping through a hoop to please uh, God who never seems to be pleased enough, or pleasing somebody else, or just engaging, you know, in religious activity and living a life of, of great guilt because they never seem to get there, uh, you know? that uh, it is very interesting that, uh, you know, that we read these terms, uh, applying all diligence. So how do we get there, you know? Uh, it, it, what does it mean to uh, be zealous, eager, uh, wholehearted? What does it mean, uh, you know, to be, uh, uh, to be enthusiastic, right? Well, you know what's interesting about enthusiasm? Enthusiasm, if you look it up in English, Enthusiasm, actually, in its origins, it came into English in the 1700s. And what it means is a religious uh, zeal in uh, you know, we use it for everything, to be enthusiastic about anything, but its origins had to do uh, in the spiritual realm of being excited about the things of God, as, as we might say uh, today. Isn't that kind of interesting? You know that that is uh, the the origin uh, of the of the word, and then of course you know in the um, in the Torah, uh, in uh, Deuteronomy, uh, you know uh, in um, chapter four, okay, uh, he talks about being diligent, uh, you know, to obey uh, diligent to obey the commandments. Uh, and uh, you know, and hurrying, which is also another very interesting word, uh, uh, hurrying to obey God. For example, in Deuteronomy chapter four and verse nine, only give heed to yourself and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things which you have seen, and so unless they depart from you, give heed to yourself and keep your soul diligently. And you know, thanks, Chris. And you know, uh, uh, in Hebrew, uh, you actually uh, you don't actually have a word that you would just mean diligent, but it's uh, demonstrated uh, by the word maod, which means like very much, like keep your soul very much, obey the commandments very much. Okay. Then another way is repetition, like repeating. Like, uh, keep the commandments, shamar, keep, right? And so it repeats it, it says it two, two, two times. We don't translate it twice, but we mean like, uh, keep it very much. And so uh, oftentimes, the word diligence, uh, diligence is used. Another word is used, and it's the one that's in the shema, which actually means to sharpen something, to sharpen uh, you know, and uh, the great illustration of that is, you know, sharpening a knife, going over it and over it and over it again and, again and again and again and again and again. You know, being diligent to sharpen. Uh, but clearly, uh, I mean, I, uh, there's hundreds of verses that talk about living uh, diligently uh, uh, for the Lord, uh, you know, in, in, in Hebrew. So whether we're talking about Hebrew or, or Greek, we need to be diligent, we need to be eager, we need to be fervent, we need to be ready. And you know, these are the kind of words, if I can be perfectly honest with you, these are the kind of words that have been floating in my mind when I'm thinking of, you know, um, we need a renewal, we we need uh, uh, a fresh vision, Uh, we need uh, uh, to be empowered by the Ruach and and all of that. Uh, uh, That I think that, uh, for all myself included, all of us, uh, that I think that we need to cultivate uh, more of a sense of being, quote unquote, excited about the things of God. You know, uh, not on a superficial level, not just uh, you know having the sizzle and no steak, as they, as we, as some might say. Uh, you know. Uh, being enthusiastic d- doesn't uh, necessarily mean uh, uh, um, any, uh, you know, uh, the kind of music that we play or the, uh, uh, you know, or things of that nature. And, uh, but it's an attitude that we have of uh, being zealous, of uh, using a lot of energy and focus to walk with God, because, you know, it takes a lot of energy and focus to walk with God. We often think of it as passive. I have to work hard at my job, but when it comes to the things of God, I, I don't work hard at it. I kind of just sort of let it come to me. But that is not what the Bible teaches. Yes, we're empowered by God uh, to live a godly life, but we're uh, we called to put on uh, the new self. Uh, we're called to... Be all these words. Be fervent. Be diligent. Be enthusiastic, right? So, how do we uh, how do we cultivate this and and uh, uh, and what and what does it mean? So, the things. What are some things that keep us from having this kind of attitude, right? Because if we're aware of it, then we can really cultivate this kind of attitude, which then energizes everything we do uh, uh, for the Lord. Well, you know, the Bible uses some kind of strong language when it comes to the opposite of, of, uh, of this kind of attitude. It uses laziness. It uses uh, uh, laziness. Uh, sluggard versus diligent. You can look up all the verses. You know, in Proverbs, that's where you read a lot of this, Right? You know, in Proverbs uh, 13, uh, in verse 4, the soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, but the soul of the diligent is made fat, meaning full. You know? The point of it is, is the opposite of diligent is sluggard in in the Bible, or lazy. Okay? Uh, Now, we might not really think of ourselves as uh, lazy, but maybe inattentive. Inattentive to the things uh, of uh, of of God, uh, in Proverbs uh, ten, uh, in verse uh, uh, four, poor is he who works with a negligent hand, but the hand of the diligent makes, ri- makes rich. Again, negligent and diligent. Okay, so you have a number of different words here in Proverbs twelve. The hand of the diligent will rule, but the slack hand will be put to forced labor. A slacker versus one who is diligent. One who is diligent is focused. One who is diligent has uh, you know, the, uh, what God has commanded to be a, uh, a priority. Uh, and, uh, and, and so I think that you know, it's important for us to ask ourselves this question, am I diligent for the things uh, am I diligent for the things of God? Another uh, another thing that kind of gets in the way sometimes is rationalizing. Rationalizing, right? Now, for this, I I think it's kind of interesting that when you look in um, First Second uh, Timothy chapter one, Second Timothy chapter one. You know, uh, whenever you study the letters in the Brit Shah, you know, you're not hearing both sides of the story. You're, you're hearing what Paul is writing, generally speaking, Paul is writing in response to something. But we don't always know what the something is that he's writing in response to. So when he writes to Timothy, he says this in verse 5 of chapter 1, 2 Timothy. For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am sure that it is in you as well. And for this reason, I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. And then he says something very interesting. Uh, First of all, right there, uh, you get the idea that Timothy is either a kind of downcast uh, or he's sort of like dried up. He, you know, kindle afresh the gift that's in you. If Paul is saying, kindle afresh the gift that's in you, that he's, uh, maybe he has become a, a little, um, not the, not depressed, but maybe a little uh, disillusioned. Because when you read First Timothy, boy, there was a, you had people teaching all kinds of things that he had to deal with. Uh, you know, you had uh, people telling old wives' tales, You had people arguing over over nothing, and uh, perhaps, uh, you know, Timothy, as a young uh, spiritual leader, was kind of just thinking, boy, is this, I'm getting tired of this. I can't take this. I don't know if this is uh, uh, what I'm going to do for the rest of my life, right? So Paul says, kindle afresh the gift that's in you. Uh, may I suggest when he says "kindle afresh the gift that's in you," uh, it is about being energized for the things of God, because he says, "For God has not given us a spirit of timidity." God has not given us a spirit of of timidity of of uh, literally it means cowardice, but you know of maybe being uh, of laying low, of not moving forward, and uh, and perhaps. Uh, 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 Timothy is just sort of on hold because he says, he, "You know, it's interesting. He doesn't what he doesn't say. It's always interesting what he doesn't say, right?" He says, "For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of courage." You don't read, you don't. It doesn't say that, but of courage. Why didn't he say? He, why didn't he not say of courage? Right? I mean, that may have been in his mind, but what he says is power, love, and discipline. Okay. Uh, He's given us a a, a spirit of power and love. Let's look at those two. Power and love. Uh, uh, Timothy, you know, uh, remember what's in you. The dunamis, the dynamite of God, the power of the ruach, you know, is in you. And the supernatural uh, agape, to love these people, even if they're unlovable, But through the power of God, you can love these people, Timothy, right? And then he says discipline. And that seems, that's almost like a downer here, right? Uh, And discipline, literally, it it means basically to think righteously, to think rightly, to be sober-minded, to think rightly, to do things, you know, in a a right way. It's the same word as sober when uh, you read it in Titus and uh, other places as well, depending on your you know, on your uh, uh, translation, right? Uh, and so it's, it's kind of interesting. Perhaps what Timothy was doing was rationalizing away his own ability to be a leader. In other words, you know, why does Paul have to say, kindle afresh the gift? You don't have a spirit of timidity, but of power and of love and discipline. Perhaps Timothy looked at his circumstance and said, I can't do this. I can't do this. Because this is the kind of thing I think that a mentor would say to somebody who says, you know, I don't think I can do this. I don't think I'm your guy. It's just over my head. I don't think I can handle it. What is Paul saying? He said, listen, I knew your grandmother. I knew your mother. I know you. I ordained you, basically. I laid my hands on you. I know what's in you. I know what you're made of. Kindle it afresh, my friend. You are the man. You know, he says to him, actually, uh, oh, man of God, he says in First uh, in, uh, Timothy. Right? So sometimes we, rational, we rationalize away our, uh, uh, our inability to be diligent. You know, for example, we might say, if I was smarter, then I would take those MSI classes. Right? I, or, you know, I really would give, uh, if I had the money, I would give a lot of money, but I don't have the money, so I can't give very much money. Or I don't, uh, uh, you know, give it all. Making excuses. You know, making excuses. In Proverbs 26, there's this little set of verses. I'm just going to read a couple of them. Uh, But they're fascinating in this regard. In Proverbs 26. In verse 13, it says, The sluggard says, There's a lion in the road. There's a lion in the open square. As the door turns on its hinges, so does the sluggard on his bed. Okay, the sluggard buries his hand in the dish. He's weary of bringing it to his mouth again. The sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can give a discreet answer. Now, like proverbs, you know you can you can look at this from like all different kinds of ways. But generally speaking, it seems that the sluggard sees a lion in the road, a lion in the open square, something difficult, so I think I'll roll over in bed. This is too hard for me. I don't think I can do I'm not your person. I, you know, when I look at people who are like really... Uh, you can see they're, they that you know they're really uh walking with God, they've cultivated a great faith in in God, and they know the Word of God, they can turn to a passage they could you know just go back and forth from here to there. That's not me, that's not me, so I'm not even going to think about that kind of thing or or a person who has spent many years, let's face it, living kind of a mediocre spiritual life, not really conquering much sin in life and just sort of struggling with everything, we might say, well, that's just me. That's just how it's going to be. We're not literally lazy all the time in the sense of I'm just a real uh, schnorrer, uh, if you know what I mean, if you know what a Yiddish, right? In other words, I, I, I don't want to work for anything. I just want it for free. But I think sometimes we have a defeated attitude, We have a fearful and defeated attitude, and so we're never going to be enthusiastic about the things of God, because I'm fearful, fear of that I'm going to mess up, I'm afraid I don't have what it takes, you know, uh, I don't have the chops for, you know, really uh, uh, walking with God, and I think it's a great unspoken issue uh, that many people have. I think many people are very insecure in their spirituality. Uh, and therefore it becomes difficult uh, to get excited. Then there's the issue of boredom, laziness, rationalizing, and then there's boredom. You know, when I was uh, preparing for this, there did you know that there is an entire literature on boredom? I mean, people have studied boredom backwards, forwards, and sideways. You know, it begs the question of what's interesting and what's boring, right? Okay, (laughs) but... Uh, it's very interesting. I, I even have a book called The Spirituality of Boredom, and what it's about, it's about, it's, it's a Jewish, it, you know, it's from a, a Jewish religious uh, point of view, uh, about recreating a sense of wonder in our lives as uh, as Jewish people. Now, that is like a series of messages, so I'm not even going to, you know, uh, go there, but Here are just some of the issues that keep us from being excited when it comes to boredom. When was the last time you heard anybody speak from the pulpit about being bored, right? Being bored or enthusiastic or lazy or anything. But this this is like an underlying issue, I think, uh, for us. I mean, we all suffer from it. Doing the same spiritual exercises over and over again the same thing over and over again. My guess is is that when you come to the service here, you know, I heard this recently. I've heard this recently, then I heard it a number of months ago also. So I hear it from, uh, that means from time to time, okay, that, you know, uh, we have plenty of people here that really are not into the liturgy. People not into the liturgy. First is the word liturgy. We probably need to just expunge that from our vocabulary, okay? Liturgy, liturgical, yikes, right? okay? Uh, prayer is what it is, you know It's prayer. It's like talking to God or declaration. It's like declaration of what we know to be true uh, or it is a uh, uh, prayer. But you know when you do it over and over again, it can get to be old hat, right? And so therefore we get bored. I'm not into it. It's boring. So here I'm going to say something, and it's true. But it's true for me, okay? It's true for me first, okay? So it's like you're all behind me, and I'm speaking to me, okay? The uh, responsibility for this is on ourselves, not on the words in the sedur, okay? The responsibility is on ourselves, and not the word, Those are great words, and so what we need to do. Oh, we didn't get to the antidote yet. Well, th- we often find that boring, and it takes away from our uh, a sense of enthusiasm, right? You know, the Israelites in the wilderness got tired of the same diet, right? Uh, you know what? I'm not going to take the time to turn there. It's in Numbers chapter 11. I think it's in verses 5 and 6. Why do we have to eat this manna over and over again? We don't like the diet. We don't like the restaurants. We don't like the hotels. We don't like any of this uh, in the wilderness. Uh, first and foremost, seemingly, they were bored of the same thing over and over again. Familiarity. Familiarity, being very familiar, not just with, uh, now, not just with our service, but just, isn't it true that for, for many of us, you know, I've I've been around a long time. I I I I've heard a a million sermons. I kind of know everything that anybody's going to say. It's just boring. It's boring. And so what we do is we look for something interesting. Therefore, if something goes wrong, now that's interesting. Right? You know, if the sound system goes out or somebody gets sick on the platform or I don't know, something, you know, I don't know. That's interesting. With that, we would go home and tell everybody we know. Right? That's fascinating. That's interesting. That gets our attention. Right? Not the glory of God. Right? Yeah. Because so we we end up looking for things. We're bored. So we end up looking for something. And so we get distracted. Oh, do we live in a distracted world? We are bored people. Right? Right? I, uh, we, uh, you know, we can't even drive down the street without making sure uh, how many likes that I get on that, you know? That, uh, you, you know, we're bored, bored people. I, uh, we take, uh, in the spiritual world, we take things for granted. We take our, uh, our life with God uh, for granted. We have lost a sense of wonder. Uh, as uh, Heschel refers to it, as radical amazement, you know? Uh, And uh, I don't have enough time. I actually brought, he he has a great, some great words about wonder. And he calls it radical amazement. And the first thing he says in the first two sentences of the whole thing, it's when we take everything for granted, we lose the sense of wonder and amazement. Uh, Then he goes on to say that we have to have an answer for everything that we have to know exactly why everything is. And so when we come to the place that we figured it out, I figured it out. I have uh, answers to any kind of question anybody might have. Ultimately, when it comes to then knowing God, there's, nothing, there's no sense of newness. We're not able to say, like, you know, in uh, Psalm uh, 118, uh, you know, those the great words about, uh, you know, how marvelous, how marvelous uh, are uh, are His ways. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. You know, can we really say that? It's really marvelous, the things of God. Or we're just so used to reading it. We're used to reading verses, the same verses, over and over and over again that we get bored, Okay. Another thing that happens is certainly uh, we get worried, anxiety, and oh yeah, there's verses, all you know, anxiety is the age-old issue because there are verses about anxiety all over the Bible. And of course, to put it all in a nutshell, what, is the, what, what do we read about anxiety? We mean to run to God with our anxiety. There's lots of verses of people of running to God, uh, be anxious for nothing, You know, but by prayer and supplication, your request to be known to God. So the peace of God, which surpasses all uh, comprehension, guards uh, your heart and your your soul. There's plenty of verses on that. The distractions of the world take away our enthusiasm for the things of God. Distractions from the world, right? If you received uh, our email last uh, Tuesday morning about, uh, you know, praying and fasting uh, that we might return to... Uh, the simplicity of faith, I uh, quoted there a passage, you can read it on your own, uh, uh, from uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, in verses 3 and 4, and Paul is saying to the Corinthians, I pray that as Eve was basically distracted in the Garden of Eden, that your mind may not be distracted, you know? And so the distractions of this world. So distractions, anxieties, boredom, rationalizing, uh, you know, a sense of it's a lost cause kind of thing. Uh, And then just laziness of not working, uh, not working at it, right? So, you know, Yeshua tells uh, a couple of parables toward the end of his life when he's talking about waiting for the Lord to return, waiting for him to return. In Matthew chapter twenty-five, so in Matthew chapter twenty-five, he tells two he tells two parables. One of them is the parables of the, the parable of the ten virgins. That's about being prudent and about being foolish, right? It's about being prepared and then about thinking that it's never you know the Lord's never going to return, right? Uh, and the fact of the matter is is that when we have a mindset. That, you know, it hasn't happened in 2,000 years, and so it, it's not happening, and there's no real accountability anyway, you know, who really, who really knows what, what I do? I know what they say, and I know, you know, what I'm supposed to believe, uh, but I know how it is, right? Uh, that causes us to act foolishly, foolishly, and not being prepared, Okay. Then the second one is also really about not being prepared, not uh, really taking seriously uh, the accountability and the responsibility of what the master tells us to do, right? So you know the second one, it's about the talents, right? It says, for it's just the kingdom of heaven is just like a man about to go on a journey who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, each according to his own ability. And he went on his journey, each according to his own ability, took into consideration. God knows what we can all do. Isn't that something? Okay. Uh, And then uh, he says um, uh, here, uh, immediately, uh, the one who had uh, received five talents went out and traded with them and gained five more. In the same manner, the one who had received the two talents gained two more. But he received the one talent, went away, dug into the ground, and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. And the one who had received the five talents came up and brought five more talents, saying, Master, you entrusted five talents to me. I have gained five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. The one who had received the two talents came up and said, Master, you entrusted to me two talents. See, I have gained two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant or slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one who also had received the one talent came and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. And I was afraid and went away and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what's yours. But his master answered and said to him, you wicked, lazy slave. That word lazy is the same word where we read uh, in uh, Romans chapter 12, not lagging behind, but being fervent in spirit, lagging behind is this particular word for lazy, okay? Uh, And so uh, he says, uh, you wicked and lazy slave, you knew that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I scattered no seed, then you ought to have put my money in the bank. And on my arrival, I would have received my money back with interest. Therefore, take it away from him, give it to the one who has ten... To him who has more shall be given uh, and have an abundance. to one who does not have even what he has shall be taken away. Worthless slave, into the outer darkness and so on. Well, you know the point of him saying that was to like literally put the fear of God in them. Right? Put the put the fear in them. Like, wow, I need to be busy. I need to take what God has given to me, and I need to be thinking about it. I need to be fervent in spirit. I need to be enthusiastic with what God has given me. Uh, No matter how much it is, he knows what I can do, and I'm going to do what I can do to use everything that I have for the glory of God, well done, good and faithful servant. It is not well done, good and faithful servant, if we just live our entire lives as Messiah followers in fear... doing as little as possible for fear that I might do it wrong or I might make a mistake or to be just so bored and tired of it all that we just kind of throw in the towel and we just go like robots. We can be busy as busy can be and be totally bored and be lazy within, not be fervent in spirit and think that... Busyness is simply a substitute for it, or doing nothing, <laughs> you know, that's just uh, uh, the way I am. And so this is, this is what we need. We need this sense of fervent in spirit, enthusiastic, eager, attentive, diligent, okay? So just real quickly here, you know, uh, one thing that we can uh, do is first think about being attentive in our mind. Think about it. You know, uh, think that you know. I, I desire to really get the most out of every opportunity of worship that there is, and so I'm going to read slowly the Shema or the Amidah or other or other pages uh, in the uh, uh, you know in the Siddur. I'm going to focus on it. Lord, give me, help me to, help me to cultivate this sense of passion, this sense of uh, fervor. And then do things. Do things. Yes. For example, you have your, uh, a daily, uh, installment of our journey, right? Uh, read it. Now, you know, there's a lot of words there. Uh, maybe it's hard for you to read it. So do your best, you know? Don't not read it because I won't be able to read the whole thing. If I can't read the whole thing, I'm not going to read any of it. That is exactly the problem here, okay? So read some of it. Read something in the Bible. You know, I, uh, read, I read a, a, a short passage in the Bible that you're unfamiliar with. Another thing that you can do is when you wake up in the morning, read, say a prayer Read, uh, you know, uh, some of the prayers in the um, in the Siddur. I'm going to read something real quick to you. I don't know if any of you ever heard of something called the Shulchan uh, Aruch. Anybody ever hear that Shulchan Aruch? It's actually rabbinic literature. It was written like in the 1500s. And the way it works is, you know how you have the big Talmud? Well, in different centuries, people like reduced it to smaller amounts. Well, in the 1500s, this work was used, and it kind of stuck, and people use it to this day. I want to read the very beginning of it. It's laws pertaining to rising in the morning, okay? Similarly, when lying in bed, a person should realize before whom he is lying. Immediately upon rising from sleep, he should recall the the kindnesses which God, blessed be he, performs for him, returning his soul. He entrusts his soul to God, tired, and God returns it to him renewed and rested. So he can carry out his service with all his potential and serve him the entire day. Okay? Uh, And then he quotes a passage from Lamentations. Renewed in the morning, great is your faithfulness. This implies that every morning a person is renewed as a new creation. Therefore, he should thank God, blessed is he, for this with all his heart. While he is still in bed, he should he should recite the ani. I offer thanks to you, living and eternal King, for having mercifully restored my soul within me. Great is your faithfulness. You know, I and uh, he goes on to talk about how remember that you know God is your King, and so when you wake up in the morning, you're 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 getting up and right before you know in front of the King, and so begin a day with a particular uh, mindset. You know, another thing is, is to be disciplined, be disciplined uh, in, uh, you know, in uh, your spiritual uh, uh, life. And we might think that, you know, if I read the Bible every day, it gets boring, it gets boring. But here's the thing, sometimes, you know, when you make, uh, if you uh, are a baker, and you're going to bake a cake, and you read the recipe for the cake. The recipe is, you put so much of this in, you got to measure this, you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this, then this, and you got to do this. You know, the reason you do that is because you get a cake at the end of it, right? You're not doing it because you're trying to figure out measurements, right? You're doing it because you get a cake at the end. In the very same way, if you read the Bible every day, you get a cake at the end, There's fruit to your labors, is what I'm saying. There's fruit to it. The Bible has a transformative effect, right? The Bible has a transformative effect. We might say, but it's boring. So what? You know? Uh, It's okay. If you read something and you've read it a thousand times before, it's okay if it's a little boring, all right? But here's the thing. Read it slowly. Focus on each word, Meditate on it. You will see a change when you desire it. Because see, sometimes we just go in thinking it's going to be boring. Reading this is going to be boring. Attending this class is going to be boring. Doing this thing is going to be boring. That's what little kids do. Okay? And when we think that way, therefore you will be bored. But go with a sense of expectation, a sense of wonder. What is God going to do? Be expectant. And be thankful, right? And just the last thing I want to say on this is, last Tuesday, I talked about the resurrection, right? I talked about the resurrection. And, uh, and you know, people uh, really, uh, it resonated with a lot of people. Uh, talking about the future, not about the application in our lives today. That's coming on Shavuot, you know? And as we get closer to Shavuot. But I talked about just the future, the, the, the resurrection of the dead. Why does that scratch an itch? Because we're describing the hope. We're describing uh, our real, indeed, future. There's an expectation that means that whatever's happening now, I can get excited about, it means everything is significant in my life that happens because this is not all there is. And see, when we think expectantly that, you know. Uh, that there is, uh, the Lord is going to return, and here's a way of life for me to live. That energizes us. And so, may we pray that we might not be lagging, but that we might really be fervent in spirit. When we talk about praying for renewal, a renewed attitude, a renewed hope, a, uh, you know, a sense of expectation. That God is real and he's really going to work and it's not just what time is it when's the service going to be over so we can eat. I understand human needs. I get it. But may that not be the most important thing. The most important thing is what is God doing? You know, I'll just say and then I'll pray. Sometimes in a leadership meeting I'll say, how do you define a successful service or a successful event? Is it that you know, uh, a good time was had by all? Is it uh, that it ended on time? uh, That we had everything? Well, those things are included. I mean, you know, certainly those things are included. But real success is when you're making a difference in somebody's life. That's what it's about, right? And so may we recognize, you know, Just how marvelous and wonderful it is to know the Lord and what God is doing in our midst. Uh, And that, you know, He has saved us uh, from our sins. And when we think about, okay, we've been redeemed out of Egypt. Now let's make our way. Let us follow the Lord. Let us be diligent. Let us be fervent. Let us be hurried to follow the Lord uh, and, uh, and let us fight the good fight against laziness and boredom uh, and worry and fears and, and, and all of that. And, and may indeed we be overcomers. As uh, Paul wrote in the beginning of uh, uh, the very end of Romans chapter 11. You know, when we read the end of Romans 11 or the beginning of Romans 12, we don't usually put them together. But he says, Oh, the depth and the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and that unfathomable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who became his counselor or who has first given to him that it might be paid back to him again? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Therefore... Therefore, because of that, because of the the, the magnificence of God who's beyond us, but who loves us, I urge you by the mercies of God to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Because of how marvelous and wonderful God is, let us be a living sacrifice. He who who knew no sin became sin for us, and he gave us his righteousness so we could know him. May we go from this place with enthusiasm of serving God, of knowing God, and cultivating it, not some false show, but just really a fire burning within us. Like Paul said to Timothy, may we rekindle the gift that's in us God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and of love and of discipline. Let's pray. Lord uh, God, uh, thank you, uh, Lord, that you call us to be a zealous people. Lord, I pray that people might think of us and say, wow, they are a zealous people there. They are people fervent in spirit. Lord, when I think about it, Lord, I pray for myself and for all of us, because sometimes it seems that we're engaged in a lot of activity, and we don't see the fruit, so we lose our fervor. Lord, may we be thankful for what we have as we look forward to our future. Lord, may we be thankful, for example, for this place. May we be thankful when we think about our 40-plus year history about how we're in such a, a wonderful place, but Lord, we have a desire to move forward with it. Lord, I pray That uh, we would not be uh, bored uh, with thinking about our future. Waiting and waiting and waiting. But may we be fervent. Renew our vision, Lord. Renew our vision for this place, for this building, for the work that we do. Renew that vision, Lord. Renew our vision to see people come to faith in Yeshua. Renew our vision for making a difference in our Jewish community. Renew our vision, Lord. May we not be lagging. Lord, may we not be hiding the talent, Lord. Lord, cause us, a uh, uh, God, to be zealous for service, diligent to obey Your commandments, Lord. Uh, may we make haste, Lord, to do the work that You've called us to, God. And we pray against laziness or rationalizing or you know sort of losing our passion, Lord. God, renew that, restore that like when we first came to know you, God, as we, as we do all the things necessary, Lord, to cultivate that kind of fervor, enthusiasm, readiness, eagerness, all of that. May those terms be said of us, Lord. Empower us, fill us with your Ruach, Lord. And we thank you and we pray in Messiah's name.